gathered together to worship. And uh, this, this hymn, when they updated the Baptist hymnal in 2008, they left this hymn out. It's one of my favorites, and it, it really uh, it goes along with the theme of uh, our text today. So, uh, um, and I, this was written in like 1837, so I'm pretty sure it's in the public domain, so what I did was legal. <laughs> so I come from Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, our call to worship this morning. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting covenant that shall not be cut off. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you this day. Lord, we thank you for this new day. We receive it as a gift of your grace. And we recognize that it is a day that you have made. And we pray for the grace to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give a portion of this day back to you and our worship and our praise as we assemble together and gather together to to offer you our worship. Lord, we pray that uh, what we do, uh, that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight as we give you and ascribe to you the glory, the worth that you deserve as our creator and our sustainer and our redeemer and our provider and our protector. Lord, we give you praise for who you are. We give you thanksgiving for your grace toward us in Christ Jesus. And we give you honor, uh, your Holy Spirit, with us and in us, empowering us to do that which is pleasing in your sight, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, we pray that you would be exalted and that we would be conformed into the image of your Son, Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. 
All right, if you would, take out your hymnal and turn to hymn three, 637. I guess we continue to worship. Let me draw your attention to uh, the Word of God, God's Holy Word, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Today we will look at the conversion of the first Christian in Europe, uh, a lady, a, a businesswoman named Lydia, a seller of purple that had relocated to Philippi from uh, Thyatira, and she came and uh, was gathered together with others worshiping by the riverside on the Sabbath day. And we will look at the, uh, the conversion of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, verse 11. Paul, Ty, uh, si Silas, Timothy, and Luke are now in the middle of the second missionary journey uh, in the book of Acts. And they have come to Macedonia according to the call of the Lord. And they go to the main city, Philippi, and there they meet Lydia and other women by the river. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, selling from Troas, we went straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful, judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful that you have spoken to us perfectly in your word. And Lord, that you have preserved it through the ages, had it translated into our language, a language we can understand. And that Lord, you continue to speak to us every time your word is read. And so Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here to hear the words of our creator, words breathed out by you. And words that are profitable to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. And, Lord, we also stand before it with humility, recognizing that it is perfect. Our understanding of it is not. And so we recognize our dependence upon your Holy Spirit to enable us, empower us, to rightly divide your word, to understand it, to heed it, and to then apply it to our own lives. And so, Lord, we pray your spirit would do his work in us to convict us, to convert us, and to conform us to the image of your Son, Christ Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. You know, when I served in the National Guard, I served with a lot of different uh, pastors, chaplains from all over. And uh, one, of my, one of my dear friends in the ministry, one of my dear friends in the Alabama National Guard was a chaplain, uh, a pastor of a church in Huntsville, right outside of Redstone Arsenal. And uh, Redstone Arsenal, you know, is the Army Missile Command, and uh, it's where uh, rockets were invented, the Saturn V rocket and all of this. And, and so Redstone Arsenal has a lot of astrophysicists and aeronautical engineers. And uh, this pastor had a lot of those Redstone Arsenal people in his church, astrophysicists and, and aeronautical engineers. 
And he told a story that they were in a church meeting one time and they were having this uh, big conference, this big decision about what the church should do and what uh, their next step should be, what direction. I can't remember the topic of the mission, but uh, there was disagreement and there was confusion, there was misunderstanding. And in frustration, this pastor said, this is not rocket science. And one of the astrophysicists looked around him at the other astrophysicists and aeronautical engineers, and he said, well, if it was rocket science, we would have the answer. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, and what, what we want to see here is that speaking the gospel, sharing the gospel is not rocket science. You know, statistics tell us that most Christians, most people who come to church on Sunday, they go through their lives and they very rarely share their faith. They very rarely talk to others about Jesus. They very rarely talk to lost people about Jesus. And maybe it's because we think it's rocket science. It's complicated. It's difficult. It's, it's hard to do. And I'm not trained. And I don't have that spiritual gift. And here in this text, we see that talking to somebody about Jesus is not rocket science. It is simply a matter of, of being where you are and talking about what you love and talking about what you know. It's not rocket science. And we see here that uh, Paul has a conversation with Lydia by the riverside and we see the conversion of Lydia and her household, the first Christians on the continent of Europe. This is very significant because we know that Europe would be the center of, uh, of the church, the center of Christianity, an export of Christianity for, uh, uh, for thousands of years. And we owe a great debt to Western civilization and the influence of, of Europe. We, uh, uh, our nation, a colony from a European nation. And so this is significant to us. But we see that it's really not that complicated. We see the conversion of Lydia and her household. But we also notice that this conversion is, is different. It's different than other conversions that we have seen in the uh, book of Acts. And even different from... Uh, another person in Philippi, uh, later in this chapter, we will see the conversion of a Philippian, a, a, a Philippian jailer, and his conversion is nothing like the conversion of Lydia and her household. Uh, so this is uh, a description of the conversion of one person. But I think uh, we can see this, that this is really, that talking to people about Jesus, doing evangelism, is not rocket science. It is something that anybody and everybody who is a believer in Christ Jesus could and should be doing. And so we see the conversion of Lydia. The first thing we notice about Lydia in our text is that she was a worshiper of God. We are told that uh, uh, there was a woman named Lydia that heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, and she worshiped God. She was a worshiper of God. And that word, that phrase is used in the book of Acts to describe someone, most often, who was not of Jewish heritage, who had not grown up a Jew, but had come to believe in and worship the God of Israel, the true, of, true and living God, the Creator and uh, the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She had come to worship God. She was a worshiper of God and probably... From this text, we get evidence that there was not a large Jewish community in Philippi. But this woman was from Thyatira, where there was a, a large Jewish community. And so chances are, when she was at Thyatira, 
that she had heard about the God of Israel. Maybe she had contact with some Jews and she had come to see that the God of Israel uh, was the true and living God, the creator of the universe, and she became a worshiper of God. She became a worshiper of the true creator, Lord God, the God of Israel. And business evidently had brought her from Thyatira to Philippi, the most significant city in the region of Macedonia. And last week we saw Paul's call to Macedonia. And so when he went to Macedonia, he went to the biggest city, the primary city, the city of Philippi, a Roman colony. And uh, evidently there weren't very many Jewish people in Philippi. We assume that because... Usually what Paul did when he went to a new city for the first time was he went to the synagogue uh, where he would find an audience, a, people, a group of people that had gathered together to worship the God of Israel, to worship the uh, Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to worship the true and living God. Paul would go to the synagogue and because he was a trained rabbi, he would uh, be given the opportunity to speak. They would let him speak until they heard what he had to say. <laughs> he, would, uh, he would speak to those Jewish people and he would tell them that God, that the God that they had worshipped, the God of the Old Testament, was the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, Savior Jesus Christ, that Jesus, God had become a man in Christ Jesus and he came into his own and his own did not receive him, but they rejected him. They crucified him. And God showed that he had made him Lord and Christ by raising him from the dead. And now God was calling them, the people of God, to repent of their sins and to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Paul would tell them that all of the Old Testament talks about Jesus. The law, the prophets, the Psalms, all talks about Jesus. And so he would go to the synagogue... They would give him an opportunity to preach and then they would throw him out when they heard his message that they had crucified or they had rejected the one that God, their God, had declared to be both Lord and Christ. So Paul would usually go to the synagogue in order to begin his ministry in a place and when he was thrown out he would go to the marketplace and we'll see that, uh, we'll see that play out as we continue to study through the book of Acts. But evidently in Philippi there was not a large Jewish community because apparently there was not a synagogue. To have a synagogue in a city, it was required that you would have 10 Jewish men. 10 Jewish men were required to have a synagogue in order to have a quorum. And when 10 Jewish men were in a city, they would normally come together and form a synagogue. But if you only had nine men, it didn't matter how many women that you had, you could not make up for the missing man. You could have nine men and 3,000 women, but you still could not have a synagogue because you had to have 10 men according to their culture. And so evidently, when we read this text, we get the idea that there, there probably weren't 10 Jewish men in the city of Philippi. And so the women would gather together at the riverside to worship. And Lydia was a worshiper of God, and on the Sabbath... They would gather at the, at the riverside and make prayers and to worship. Now, this is very interesting. You know, they could certainly worship at home. They could worship and pray in their shops. She was a seller of purple. She was a, a merchant. And, and by the way, purple 
a seller of purple. Purple was the color of royalty and nobility. And so she probably, and she's moved to a Roman colony, she probably was a woman of some means and evidently had a big house, a big enough house for Paul and, and Silas and Timothy and Luke to come and stay there and for the church that's going to be born in Philippi to meet in her home. So she's evidently a wealthy woman, a woman of means, a businesswoman, engaged in selling garments to the nobility and the royalty in the city of Philippi, a Roman colony. And she could worship in her business, she could worship at home, but she also feels the need to gather together with other people to worship. Now, we can worship in our home, we can worship in our bass boat, we can worship in our deer stand, we can worship all kinds of places, but it is also important and imperative and necessary that we gather together to worship as the assembled people of God. And Lydia felt that need, apparently. She would... She, she had a big home, but she would come to the riverside where other people would gather to offer prayers, and she was a worshiper of God. And so we see that she had come, probably at Thyatira, to recognize the God of Israel to be the true and living God. And on the Sabbath day, the day that he had set apart for his worship, she would gather with other worshipers of God at the riverside to offer prayers and to seek the Lord, to seek to know the Lord. And so the first thing that we see in this text is that Lydia was a worshiper of God. She was seeking to know God better. And then the second thing we see in this text is that God sent to her a preacher. God sent someone to her to speak the gospel to her. And we looked last week at God's guidance of Paul and, and Silas and uh, Timothy and Luke and we saw how they had come to Macedonia through God's direction, God's guidance, God's revelation, calling them there. And they agreed that uh, God had called them to Macedonia. So they traveled through Macedonia and came to the foremost city, the city of Philippi. And they stayed there for some days. And on the Sabbath day, they went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. Evidently not a synagogue. And so they went to the place where people had gathered to worship the God of Israel, to offer prayers to him, to seek to know him better. And they went to where the people had gathered, the people who were seeking God. So they went to the riverside. And it says in verse 13, we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they come to the riverside and they see some women gathered there. God sent them a messenger. They were seeking the Lord and God sent them a messenger. And when Paul got to the river, he didn't look around and say, yeah, there's just a bunch of women here. That's all that we got. There's not a very big crowd. There's just some women. And in their culture, women could not uh, hold political office. Therefore, they could not speak, uh, take a stand on political things. They were under the authority of their father until they were old enough to be married, and then they were under the authority of their husband. Most women uh, could not read and write. They weren't taught to write, and so we don't know a lot about women in, their, uh, in that culture because they couldn't record their own stories because they were never taught to write. They weren't allowed to speak publicly. 
And so Paul could have come to the riverside there and looked and said, well, there's just a bunch of women here. What good would it do to speak about Jesus to these women because they can't write letters, they can't take a public stand, they can't stand in the marketplace and speak about him. Maybe, they, maybe we need to go somewhere else. Maybe there's somewhere where we can make a bigger impact. Maybe there's somewhere where we could make a difference. Here, there's just a bunch of women. But that's not what Paul did. That was not Paul's attitude. Paul sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And now that word speak, notice that's not the word preach. That's not the word that's usually talked about proclaiming or preaching or, or announcing the gospel of Jesus. He just sat down with the women that was there and talked with them. And he spoke with them. And you know what Paul, uh, when Paul engaged in a conversation, you know what I imagine Paul talked about most of the time? <laughs> the most important thing to him, his best friend. Jesus just sat down and talked to the women who were gathered there about Jesus. Probably about how he'd come to know Jesus, how, how they were there seeking the God of the Old Testament, how the Old Testament talks about Jesus, how the law, the prophets, the Psalms all point to Jesus, all speak about him. He just sat down at the river and talked about the most important thing to him. He talked about Jesus. So sharing your faith is not rocket science. So many people say, you know, I'm, I'm not trained, I don't know enough, I don't have enough knowledge, I'm not, I'm not eloquent. But it's not rocket science. Talking about Jesus is just talking about your best friend. Talking about what you know. Talking about what God has taught us. You know, we hear the gospel in this church every, you know, two times every week, every time we meet. And, and a gospel that you can say in a minute. That God created us in his own image so we could know him. We sin and cut ourselves off from God. We don't deserve anything but his wrath. But God became a man in Christ Jesus, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve, and God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and God's wrath has been turned away. And now he calls us to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus. And when we do, we're born again to new life, everlasting life. It's not rocket science. You don't have to have special training. You don't have to have a college degree, a seminary degree, a seminary education to talk about Jesus. Jesus just went and sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So Lydia was a worshiper of God. She had gathered together with other people to worship the God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel, the, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She was seeking the Lord, and the Lord sent to her someone to speak to her about Jesus. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on one in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe on whom, one whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone speaks to them? And how will they speak unless they're sent? God sent a preacher, a speaker of the truth to Lydia. And he went and he saw the women gathered there. And he didn't turn his eyes to a more lucrative field or more likely prospects or somebody who might make more of a difference. No, he sat down with the women who couldn't write, who couldn't speak publicly. And he spoke to them 
about the most important thing to him. He spoke to them about Jesus. So Lydia was a worshiper of God. God sent to her a preacher, and she heard him. Look at verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. And so she listened to what Paul said about Jesus. She listened. She had come there to worship the Lord, to seek the Lord, the God of the Old Testament. And she listened to this one and came, who came and told her that all of the Old Testament is about Jesus. And the God of the Old Testament is the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The law that God gave in the Old Testament we have violated and we're guilty and stand condemned under the law. But God has sent Jesus to satisfy the penalty of the law against us so that we might be born again to everlasting life. Lydia heard. She listened to what Paul said. She heard the message. She heard the message that if she would call on the name of the Lord, she would be saved. A messenger was sent to speak to her the truth. And she heard that message. She heard the truth. And then we see something else important. Very important in verse 14. She heard. It gives us some description of her that we've talked about. And then at the last part of verse 14, look what it says. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. So you see the sovereignty of God. Another reason people give for not sharing their faith is I don't want to fail. I don't want to mess it up. I don't know enough. I might get confused. I might, they might ask a question I don't know. They might distract me with some question like, uh, you know, some off-the-wall question. I just don't know. I, I'm afraid to talk about Jesus. I'm afraid to share my faith because I'm afraid I might fail. But look what happened. The Lord opened her heart. And so that tells us an important thing. The results aren't up to the speaker. People aren't converted because of our eloquence. People aren't converted because of our knowledge. You can't educate somebody into the, to the kingdom of God. You can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God. You can't uh, convince somebody into the kingdom of God. You certainly can't manipulate them into the kingdom of God. Salvation is a work of God. He sent the messenger. The messenger was faithful to speak. But that was not the decisive thing. She heard what she said. And even him, her hearing the message was not the decisive thing. Because Jesus said in Matthew 13, a lot of people hear and don't hear. A lot of people see and don't see. A lot of people don't understand. Unless your eyes are open, unless your ears are open, unless your heart is open, you can't see. You. And, and, and so people come, they hear the same message. Some people walk away converted, some people walk away unchanged. How is that? That is because of the sovereignty of God. It's not the speaker, it's not the hearer. It is God who opens the heart. God, the Lord, opened her heart. And so the results are not up to you. Go where the people are. Speak to them about the most important thing to you. Speak to them about Jesus. And then trust the result to the Lord. And the Lord opened her heart. God is sovereign. God 
gave her eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to understand. And that is a work of God's sovereign grace. Unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. God made her alive and gave her a heart, a new heart. He replaced her heart of stone with a heart that could understand and believe and receive the message of Jesus. And that's why it's not rocket science, man. We just go talk about what we want and we trust God with the results. Don't worry about failing. You can't mess it up. God is sovereign and God opened her heart. The next thing we see, God opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So Paul just came and he spoke the things that he was uh, important to him. Uh, no doubt shared that good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the God they were seeking, the God they were praying to, was a God that had perfectly revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus. And Lydia's heart was opened to heed that, to believe, and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, when, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He opened her heart to believe, to hear, to understand, and to cling to the things that Paul told her about Jesus. Opened her heart to turn from her sin and put her trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. To cling to that, to believe to that, to hold fast to that, and to trust in that gospel message, Jesus and what he had done for us, who he is, and what he had accomplished on the cross in his empty tomb, she, clang, she clung, hung fast to that, held fast to that, and put her trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for her salvation. God opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. God gave her the grace to respond to the gospel with repentance and faith. And so the next thing we see about Lydia, she was a worshiper of God. God sent her a preacher. She heard. God opened her heart. She clung to the, held fast to the things that were spoken by Paul. And then we see that she publicly professed her faith in baptism. Verse 15, when she and her household were baptized, so she publicly professed her faith in Jesus by baptism. After God had opened her heart, to heed the things spoken by Paul, she repented and believed the gospel. Now she publicly professes her faith through baptism. She uh, declared that she had been born again, made new by the grace of God through her faith in Jesus Christ. That old Lydia, even though she was a worshiper of God, she was dead in trespasses and sin. Now she's been crucified with Christ, buried with him in baptism. And now she's been raised to walk in newness of life. She gave that testimony, that profession of faith. And she publicly identified with her faith in Jesus Christ, his sinless life, his death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. She publicly professed her faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. And other members of her household were also converted and publicly professed their faith. So we see the sovereignty of God. She had come to believe in the God of Israel. She was seeking after him. He sent to her a preacher, one to speak to her the gospel. She heard what he said, but not only did she hear what he said, 
God opened her heart to believe what she said, to hold fast to what he said, and then she identified, publicly identified with Jesus through believer's baptism. She and her whole household were baptized. And then the next thing, the final thing that we see about Lydia is that uh, immediately there begins to be fruit. There, there's, there's fruit. So she and her household were baptized and she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she had made a profession of faith and she and she, she tells Paul, now, if you believe that my profession of faith is credible, if you believe that God has really opened my heart and I have professed faith, I have been baptized and uh, uh, the first member of the church at Philippi, and we'll meet some of those other members come in a little bit later. If you've judged me to be faithful, if you think my profession of faith is credible, that I really have put my trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, come and stay at my house, she offered hospitality she opened her house to the messengers she showed hospitality to those who had come and spoke the truth to her and she showed their gratitude to them and and her her gratitude to jesus and now her desire to see other people in the city to, to come to know and come and stay at my house and let's establish a church let's plant a church here in philippi where there's not a big jewish community but man there can be a big christian community so come and stay at my house. And what Luke says, so she persuaded us, that carries the idea that it took some convincing, that they were initially weren't, weren't uh, uh, eager to do that, willing to do that, but she persuaded them. She continued and uh, even carries a word of some kind of force, you know, where she convinces them to come and stay at her house, to continue the mission work there until a church can be planted a church can be established and we also know that a church was established in Philippi and it was a church a good church a church that gave Paul much joy in fact a church that Paul says was a partner in the gospel with him from the first and even when Paul was in prison the church at Philippi took an offering a collection and sent a gift to Paul while he was in prison and in response to that gift, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes the New Testament book of Philippians as a thank you note to this church. The church that Lydia and her household were the first members of. Partner with Paul in the gospel from the first and to the end, even sending hospitality to him while he was imprisoned. And so it begins with hospitality in her house and that continues throughout the life of Paul. And he is grateful to that church and writes a letter rejoicing. Key word in the book of Philippians is rejoice, joy. And so this church is born with the conversion of Lydia. And I think the lesson for us and the lesson, you know, is sharing your faith. It's not rocket science. You know, and most Christians, we're told, rarely, if ever, share their faith, talk about Jesus. And one of the reasons here in the Bible Belt, and I know I've, I've said this, 
I've said, you know, I don't ever come into contact with lost people. One of the things that we might say is, that, you know, I just don't know any lost people. Everybody I know goes to church. Everybody I know professes to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And so we, sometimes we use that as an excuse, as a cop-out for not sharing our faith. I don't know any lost people. I hang around with lost people. Well, let me tell you, in Monroe County, in the Bible Belt, not everybody who goes to church is a believer in Jesus Christ. Not everybody who goes to church, not everybody who goes to worship can tell you the gospel. Not everybody who goes to church hears the gospel on Sunday morning. A lot of preachers in Monroe County, a lot of preachers in Mississippi don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They preach moralism. Be good, work hard, give your money, come down the aisle, say a prayer. Just because they go to church, just because they worship doesn't mean they know the gospel. Or does it know that mean that they have responded to the gospel with repentance and faith? They might have a religion about God, but not a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and so just because they are a worshiper doesn't mean they know the gospel. Lydia was a worshiper of God. And she gathered together to pray at the riverside, but she did not know the gospel. She had not heard the gospel until God sent a preacher to her, one to speak the gospel to her. And so please don't use the excuse, I don't know anybody who's lost. I don't know any lost people. You might not know any unchurched people. But just because they go to church doesn't mean they know the gospel and have believed the gospel. And another reason people give that they don't share the gospel is I just don't know enough. I, I, I'm not smart enough. I, I, I'm not educated. I, 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 don't, I can't answer all the questions. All Paul did was went and talked about what he knew. Talked about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He just sat down and spoke about that. And, and again, the, the gospel was God created us. We sinned. God had a plan. He redeemed us. He raised Jesus from the dead. He calls us to repent and believe. It's not rocket science. It's so simple a child can understand it. But it's also so profound we can spend our whole life studying it and not know it all. But sharing your faith is not rocket science. And even if they go to church, talk about what's important to you. Talk about Jesus. And another reason people give for not sharing their faith is I'm afraid, I'm afraid to fail. I'm, I'm afraid that I'll, I'll get in this conversation and I'll just get, I'll, I'll forget and I'll get all messed up or they ask a question that I won't be able to answer and I, I just don't want to drive somebody away well the good news of this text is it's not up, up to you it's not about you it's not about your presentation it's not about your knowledge about not what you know or what you say it's about the sovereignty of God who opens the heart and God is pleased to use the speaking of the gospel by a human to issue his effectual call he is pleased to use that means where we speak the gospel and we might do it in a way that is inadequate, a way that's very, just so simple or childish or whatever. But God is pleased through us speaking the gospel to issue the effectual call and to open the hearts of those who hear. 
People aren't converted because of our eloquence, because of our knowledge, because of our presentation, because of uh, our manipulation, because we educate them, tell them something they didn't know. No, people are saved because God opens their heart. God uses the human proclamation of the gospel to issue the effectual call and to open the heart of those he will save. So you can't mess it up. I believe this text tells us sharing our faith is not rock science. Just talk about what you know, who you know, and the difference that he's made in your life. And that he promises, whoever comes to me, I will in no means cast out. I will in no means turn away. Lydia was a worshiper of God. She went to the riverside to gather together with other worshipers. God sent a preacher to her. He spoke the gospel. She heard God opened her heart. She professed her faith and she was born again to new life and began to bear fruit of the gospel with hospitality and the desire to see a church planted in her city. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth of it. And Lord, we're challenged. Lord, help us to be faithful and just talking about you and your truth and your gospel. Lord, help us not to give excuses. But as you bring people into our path, into our lives, as we have relationships, Lord, may we just talk about the most important thing. Not just the most important thing to us, but the most important thing in all of the universe. That you created us. We sinned, and you sent your Son to save us. Lord, find us faithful in speaking that truth. And Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to use our simple and adequate, sometimes confused, not eloquent speaking of the truth to open the hearts of others. And that you would be pleased to add to our number those that are being saved. Lord, find us faithful. And by your grace, make it fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to close with hymn uh, 502. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.